Well, uh, it is that time on a Thursday morning when we say hi to Steve Vines and we say, Steve, stay safe. Oh, no, don't say it. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, in, we're, <laughs> we're in this situation. And I mean, it is dire, you know, two million people around the world infected. Um, hundreds of thousands of deaths. I mean, this is this is no joke. Mm. Economy is wrecked. People thrown out of work. Businesses collapsing. And then, I mean, as if that isn't bad enough, you've got to handle this world of platitudinous. Mm. Be safe. Take care. Social distance. Um, oh, you be healthy. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, come on, people. Snap out of it. I like the, the approach that was taken by the, um, the, the great writer and, and former journalist, Dennis Potter, who um, I hope people, are, they may remember the very famous TV series he wrote called Pennies from Heaven. But he, he, he was famous for quite a lot of things. He was a great writer. Anyway, he, when he was um, dying of cancer, um, there was, he had a great interview with, with Melvin Bragg on the BBC. And he said, you know what? I call my cancer Rupert because it's a great way of fighting it. He was talking mm. about Rupert Murdoch, who he mm. accused of spreading a cancer through his multifaceted media outlets throughout the world. So what he was basically was saying was, you know, I'm really angry about my cancer. I'm really angry about the fact that I'm dying. And by the way, I'm a bit angry about the world. And the person I, I, I hold responsible for much of this is Rupert Murdoch. So he called his cancer Rupert, and uh, it didn't make it go away, but it was a bit of plain speaking. So can we have a little less of this sort of simpering, oh, I hope you're going to be safe. Oh, I hope you're okay. No, no, come on, come on. We're all big people. We can fight this thing. We can be a bit angry about it. We can be a bit something off about it. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, it doesn't go away through through a big outpouring of platitudes. And I'm fed up with them. I really am. I think that we've got other things to do and we need to get on with it and stop, you know, sort of. And it's that sort of look you get at people. They sort of look at you in this sort of this sort of mournful way saying, oh, I'm, oh. yeah, enough already. <laughs> enough, 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 enough. You know, the other thing I've been enough of is is getting these um, emails from from companies telling me what they're doing about coronavirus. Oh, yes. You know, yes. it's just, it, it's just they've got to send one. It, it, it says nothing. It says nothing at all. But it's it just signalling. Absolutely, we, we care about you. They say. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, there was a pig just flew across the room when that was that particular. <laughs> Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I, my, my uh, um, email box is jammed up with these things. Hmm. People declaring that they're thinking about you and in your time. We hope you and your loved ones, uh, don't know about them, uh, you and your loved ones are being safe and we're doing all we can because we're all in this together. You know, this is <laughs> this all in this together. Yes, right. As if we are in a perfect world. There's fantastic things happening. People know perfectly well who's helping who. But we're not all in this together. There's still, you know, where, where I live in cycle, where there's been a, um, a spike in business because people feel that the countryside is a safer place to be. The landlords in cycle, I can tell you, they're not all in this together. There's some outlets I know who of, of restaurants in cycle, and they're being rewarded by being in all this together by rent hikes. 
So, you know, come on. Really? Rent hikes? In Saikung, yes. Wow. Because business is, is, is compared with the rest of Hong Kong. Mm. Is, I'm talking about the food and beverage trade, which mm. is the one I know about, mm. is, is pretty good. There's actually seen an increase in business. Interesting. And good luck to them. Yeah. But, but you know, I mean, as, as I say, the landlords who will not reduce the rents in places that have been devastatingly hit by this because they've never done anything as, as, as vulgar as reduce the rent in their entire existence, that we're all in this together. I just don't think so. Are we all this in to get, are we all in this together? When the government rolls out its new um, scheme for subsidizing salaries in various sectors and unscrupulous employers take that as an opportunity to indeed pass on the money, but to keep their staff on unpaid leave. In other words, you know, just get the public to support most of the wage bill. I mm, mean, mm, you know, mm, let's get real here. There's lots of people out there trying to uh, certainly, uh, you know, put their palm out and get what they can get out of this. That That is for sure, isn't it? That is for sure. And I mean, um, just to sort of move it on a bit, I mean, I'm flabbergasted. And, and sometimes you feel that you cannot be flabbergasted. But is this really the time, as we see from uh, from from the chief executive in name only and, and the waxworks, is this really the time to launch an offensive about putting public security legislation, i.e. Article 23, into force? I mean, it's a, a big pardon. I thought we had a really big, all-encompassing crisis on. Why is it that, that um, once we heard the head of the... Um, liaison office, um, Lu, Lu Hui Ning, uh, making a statement, all, all the usual waxworks came out, oh, very good statement, very good statement, yes, mm. national security, must have national security. I mean, honestly, <coughs> I know this is not a new topic, it certainly isn't, it's been rumbling on in the background for at least two decades, but now, now, when, when it is literally a matter of life and death, when people in Hong Kong, in their hundreds of thousands, are going to lose their jobs, is that your priority over there in um, in Muppet Land, wherever they all live? I just can't believe that this is that this is this week's focus. Basic law, basic law, Article Twenty Three implementation. It's, it's beyond so, belief. So I suppose there's a few things going on here, isn't it? I mean, obviously the new, the new guy has come in and hasn't really been here when all of that was happening last year. I suppose that's that's uh, that's fact, the point, isn't fact, it? Fact number one, isn't it? And yeah. and then I suppose fact number two is is the Legco elections are coming up in uh, September. And fact number three is that, that there's that, that this great big crisis going on at the moment, where perhaps someone's thinking, well, you know, everybody's occupied with that, so maybe we should do something else well i mean it is it is extraordinary that, that that is their thinking i mean they've taken up um uh one of the ideas or no, no, they've taken up a few of the ideas that they've been pressing all throughout these protests number one that it's actually ghastly foreigners are behind it and that's why china's national security is threatened they simply cannot believe that hong kong people themselves could act on their own initiative, could be so highly organized as it turns out that they are, and pursue this protest movement over a period which is coming up to, to um, three quarters of a year. 
They don't believe that. Their, their only narrative is, oh, foreigners are involved, foreigners are behind this, black hands are doing this. And did you know that Jimmy Lai met the vice president of the United States of America? Do you need more proof than that? I'm talking about things that have been said this week. Do you need more proof than that, that this whole thing is being organized by the black hands in, in the United States? Incidentally, the idea that Mike Pence is organizing the Hong Kong protests. <laughs> Take a breath. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Take a breath. Now, um, emails. Um, if you want to take part, morningbrew at rthk.hk uh, will find us and you can get your note through to Steve. Uh, there's one that came in here overnight, um, Steve, from uh, Douglas Anderson, um, titled Arsi Farty. Um, I shouldn't say that really, should I? Let's say Ranty. No. Ranty citizens thumb their noses at orders from Calamity Carrie and her minions to stay indoors over Easter. This is going back to the coronavirus for a second. Uh, this is remnant uh, yellow movement defiance to all things government. Uh, the people are taking credit for stopping the local spread of the virus because of their swift deployment of masks and hand sanitizer. Remember this when asking, do the robots in Tamar expect the massive cash handout to buoy blue parties this autumn? Does the LO believe uh, voters are this gullible? Does anyone in power understand what's really going on here? Brackets, are you tired of all these questions? <laughs> <laughs> no, Douglas. not at all. Douglas. Bring them on, bring them on. <laughs> what so then, I mean, what, what, what um, in the last part of that email is being talked about is the fact that, that unlike every other jurisdiction that I know of in the world who is bringing instant relief to their citizens, the Hong Kong government, through its miserable bunch of waxworks who couldn't, you know, organise the what's it in a brewery, Mm. have said, oh, no, we cannot possibly pay out any money to citizens. This is the $10,000 that's going to everybody from Li Kaohsiung to the street sleepers. We couldn't possibly pay out that $10,000 until just before the elections, which will come on September the 6th. Mm. So, you know, I mean, this is cynicism beyond belief. Oh, and by the way, it's causing real suffering. There are, there are levels of poverty in Hong Kong that have not been visited for decades. And remember, this is a city, I like to keep repeating this statistic in case anybody forgets it, where 20% of the people live below the poverty level. It's a figure that the government disputes, although bizarrely, it's a figure the government issues. So if they're not happy with their own statistics, um, go on, boys, you better sort yourselves out. You know, you're, you can't make the argument that you publish statistics and then you don't believe them. Mind you, I think I could make that argument. <laughs> but on this one, on this one, it's it's beyond belief. So you have a situation where there's immense real suffering as a result of the coronavirus crisis. I mean, economic suffering. And the government's response is, oh, no crisis too big not to be turned to political advantage. And it all pivots on the idea that the Hong Kong people are stupid that once they've got the 10,000 bucks in their pocket, they'll say, oh, this government's really good. I better vote for a pro-China party in the alleged elections. You know, that ship has sailed. Mm -hmm. But in fact, it's gone on a cruise. And we all know what happens on cruises. <laughs> Yeah. Um, OK, uh, quick one from David before we go to the news. Um, 
Living in Hong Kong, I feel proud that Hong Kong people have been intelligent and wearing face masks and as results have shown, we have few cases of the virus and probably a lot less cases of flu. But we do not hear the police doing their job and prosecuting all these quarantine people who are not conforming to rules. We now have people on the media say that maybe you can take off your mask, not in your Nelly, if we get in more tourists coming into Hong Kong. Give me a break. Keep me free of the virus. Well, there. Dave well, is quite I mean, outspoken. You, you, you know, goodness knows, I don't, I don't get out of bed in the morning to defend the police force. But I, I do think, in fact, people have been warned uh, about, um, mainly about social distancing. But, you know, the, the great thing, let us remember the great quality of Hong Kong is the self-discipline of the people. It's the self-discipline of the people which has prevented the spread of this virus. I don't give the credit to the government in any sense whatsoever. So, I mean, police action <coughs> might be helpful, it might be, but I honestly think that we don't have a massive problem. People are quite disciplined here and they don't need somebody with a clipboard or, or a truncheon to bang them on the head. I mean, you know, I think the police um, reputation in Hong Kong speaks for itself. Yeah, I mean, whatever you think of the police, it's possibly not going to do them a lot of good, is it, uh, by going around and enforcing this too strongly? I, I honestly don't, I don't think. And plus, incidentally, um, mask wearing and social distancing isn't mandatory, but it is mandatory, for example, in eating establishments to keep tables at a certain distance, etc., etc. So, you know, it's, it's a complex thing. But I, I always think that... that, that encouraging social cohesion rather than um, prosecution is the way to go. If there is, I mean, if there is mass flaunting of the absolutely elementary safety precautions, yes, I suppose action will have to be taken. OK, back with Steve in just one second. Thanks very much, Sam. Okay, we're back with Steve Vines, and uh, yeah, the national security thing has stirred it up a bit, hasn't it? Well, it has. I mean, you know, this is something which has long obsessed Beijing. They feel that until Hong Kong has a new national security law, somehow <coughs> Hong Kong will become a base of subversion. And, you know, after we saw uh, this, this all happened this week, incidentally, is, is National Education Week, which... I know you've been celebrating, but but Absolutely. one of the listeners may have overlooked it. You know, honestly, how that could be, I don't know. But apparently, some people have overlooked it, and they're not wearing masks. But they then, um, you know, what you know, normally happens is one of the big bosses speaks. In this case, it was uh, Mr. Lu, who, who 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 puts out a video out outlining his views, and then all the Muppets line up. To, to appear on video together. And there was, there was a series of these published this week, and the one I really liked was of Maria Tam, wearing what looked suspiciously like a padded nightgown in shocking pink. And, it, and I was so transfixed by the shocking pink of the padded nightgown that <laughs> I might have missed the message. I think I know what the message was, so it's not vital. I don't think I missed much. But um, a tip... A tip to you, Maria, if you are going to uh, exhort the people of Hong Kong to um, step into line and to fold in the face of mainland pressure, uh, don't do it in a pink dressing gown. I'm, 
It's just a view. It's just a view. <laughs> Take it or leave it. I, I, I assume that I probably am not being listened to in these these high quarters. Okay, now let's see. There's a couple more comments coming here. Um, Diego Whitlin, attacking Hong Kong's judiciary is, in my opinion, and sorry to say, the last nail in the coffin. Maybe the Sino is thinking now that the virus is about. Uh, people won't be daring to stand up and demonstrate. Or the government just uses the social distancing laws to prevent demonstrations. Hmm, coincidence, so says Diego. Well, I, I think what Diego is talking about is um, a very interesting Reuters report that came out this week saying that the Chief Justice, <coughs> Jeffrey Ma, had been under intense pressure to make the judiciary more compliant. Intense pressure from you know where, look north to find an answer. He denies it. I think we need to say that straight out. Jeffrey Ma himself denies that he is under this pressure. But look at the evidence. Whether he has personally been pressurized or not, we don't know. Look at the evidence. The evidence tells us that in November, um, Vice Premier um, Han Zheng, who is now overall in charge of Hong Kong affairs, said that the primary duty of the courts in Hong Kong is to restore order. Now, the problem with that is, is that the primary duty of the courts is to... <laughs> is to preside over the rule of law. It is not to fulfill a political objective. It is not to have somebody in Beijing telling them what their priority is. That The words independent judiciary, funnily enough, include the word independent. So that was worrying. But also in November, we saw the, um, the standing committee of the National People's Congress, the so-called Chinese parliament, saying, oh, 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 only in Beijing can interpretations of constitutional matters be made. The courts in Hong Kong, very, very naughty, very, very out of line if they dare to step in on questions of interpreting the law. But you know what courts do? Well, that's right. They interpret the law. Go that's on. what they're there for. Go on. And well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm quite a legal expert because I have read... Uh, all of the John Mortimer Rumpel of the Bailey book. So, you know, when it comes to legal expertise, you won't get anybody who knows more than I do. Incidentally, book three, very good. <laughs> <laughs> OK, let's have some more comments here. Uh, Stuart Morton, I wish Hong, Kong, uh, I wish Hong Kong's self-discipline, as Steve mentioned, um, extending to their driving and parking habits. You can park anywhere and everywhere, oh, this is a rant, and the police don't seem to want to do anything about it. As a long-term Saikung resident, the traffic and parking is out of control. Park anywhere other than car parks. Yeah, well, they are all overflowing, but I get his point. I mean... Mm. He's a long-term Saikong resident. I'm a long-term Saikong resident. I tell you, it is a bit of a <laughs> it is a bit of a cowboy ride going into Saikong these days and getting a getting a clear piece of roadway. But, but we are getting we're getting a new highway soon. So oh, really? Well, that'll, you know what that will bring that that will bring uh, more cars, of course. You know, so um, you'll need more car parks. <laughs> well, lo as long as they're not small and vulgar. <laughs> Um, Andrew Dembina, uh, Carrie Lam, John Lee and uh, new Be Beijing li Liaison Office Chief were merely speaking thoughts out loud while celebrating National Security Education Day yesterday. How did Steve and other listeners celebrate this well-known occasion? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> I am so glad you asked because, honestly, it has been the highlight of my week. Um, mainly, I celebrated it by studying the texts 
faithfully reflecting on the thoughts. I mean, I, I have uh, behind me, in the, uh, while I'm sitting here, I have a bookcase full of texts devoted to the basic law. One of them is called, oh, that's right, The Oxford Companion to Wine, which some <laughs> people say, oh, there's no relation, no relation between that and the basic law. Little do they know. Can I just say that? Little do they know. They have no idea how everything is related to the basic law. And if the listener is still awake, can I just say on this auspicious week, study it, learn it, know it. Indeed. <laughs> that's, that's my that's my commercial message for the week. <laughs> that's that's you told. Uh, that's them told. told. Let, sure. Yeah. Oh, I was going to move to another topic. Oh, but, just just uh, just one quickly on. before we go to the other topic. Um, David says, um, "Don't see the government doing jack every, anything about giving a free electric and free water. This would help a whole pauper community in Hong Kong. Uh, free electric, free water. What do you think, Steve?" I'm, I'm, I'm against it. I, 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 I am. I'm against all these indiscriminate giveaways because. The fact of the matter are there's plenty of people in Hong Kong who can afford to pay their electricity and water bills. Mm. And there's a significant number of people who can't. So I would like to see relief measured aimed at the people who need it most. That seems to me the most responsible use of public funds. And remember, it's public funds. It's our money coming back to us. It ain't their money giving being given to us. There's no largesse. Every time people say, oh, these are giveaways from the government. No, they're not. They give aways from the people. Mm. How the hell do you think the government got that money in the first place? It didn't come from heaven. It certainly didn't come from Beijing. So, you know, this is our money. I want to see it used responsibly. There certainly do seem to be around the world people that do think that the, the money comes from heaven and, and it's, uh, uh, you know, sort of open-ended. It can go on forever. It's, you know, well, sort of I mean, it, it greatly amuses me to see the born-again um Keynesians in the British Conservative Party who are, who, are, who are running the British government at the moment, mm. who for years and years have been telling everybody who wants to listen, there's no such thing as free money, there's no such thing as a free lunch, there's no such thing as any priority other than reducing national debt. They're now building a pile of national debt that makes the Great Wall of China look like the great hedge of, you know, Walthamstow. So really, you know, this crisis has brought it all home to roost. People are beginning to understand that there's no such thing as a free lunch. But if you have public money, you damn well need to spend it now. The fire is on now. It's not on in 10 years' time. The building is burning. You do something now. You have to do something now. I've climbed the Great Wall of China. I very much look forward to at the end of the year when I'm back in the UK climbing the uh, Great Hedge of Walthamstow. Uh, that should be should be fun. Looking forward to that one, and we'll take your guidance on that, Steve. Um, now uh, another topic. Well, I was I was just thinking about this ridiculous situation with Hong Kong residents in India. There's about 600 of them who have been trying to get back to Hong Kong. What is what is the reason why nothing can be done mm. to help them come back? The government could even arrange for people stranded in Peru, which I can tell you is a lot more remote <coughs> destination than India is, to bring people back. There's been people brought back from other parts of the world. Other governments indeed have brought their citizens back from India. 
are we perhaps talking, gosh, are we allowed to say this, a tint of, um, oh, oh, that's right, racism. Really, yeah. Now, what kind I don't of, know. What kind I don't know. Of, what kind of people are we talking about? Are we talking about... Hong Kong residents. Mm, Hong, Hong Kong, Kong residents. residents. I mean, for, I mean uh, in case for some reason the listener doesn't know this, one of the oldest established community, communities in Hong Kong, much older than many of, of the... Um, local Chinese population are people from the Indian subcontinent mm, mm. who obviously retain ties with India, Pakistan or, or, or wherever it is that they originate from. And you know, like all families, they have reasons why they go backwards and forwards. So they got caught, this 600, it may be more, it may be less, I don't know, but 600 is the <coughs> figure quoted. And they want to come home to Hong Kong. And I just haven't seen any plausible explanation why the government is refusing to help those people. I don't get it, other than a general suspicion of prejudice. And, um, you know, it's a sad thing that, 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 that um, that's happening. It's only a plane but and a half. News, it's a plane and a half, isn't it? Two, you know, two planes at the max, right? 600 people, right? Yes, yes. And, I mean, you know, what, what they say... Uh, well, actually, they don't say very much about it. What they say is nothing on the whole. But there is a problem. I mean, India is under complete lockdown. <clears throat> but, you know, responsible governments and other governments have done this can negotiate with the Indian authorities to achieve um, exceptions to allow an evacuation. I mean, you know, these people who, who run the government in Delhi, they're not monsters. They do get it that certain people will leave. <laughs> Sorry, that's my I think dog the, commenting uh, I think the this, dog's coming for you there, Steve. They're coming to take you away. He's, he's very appalled by the current situation. <laughs> <laughs> okay. but, but while we we're talking about travel, mm. I mean, I hope you've heard the really good news. You know, Hong Kong tour um, companies are opening up bookings for tours on the mainland again. Oh, good. You hear that you can get a tour to Wuhan at knockdown prices. Go on, really? It's very quiet. Very quiet. Uh, streets aren't filled with people. They're very clean at the moment. Much less pollution there is normally. So, you know, if, if anyone's actually listening to this program, it's, it's my hot tip for the week. Book a tour to the mainland. Well, it might it, will it, not arise again. It might it may be the only place we can go for some time, though, I suppose, because um, we were talking on Tuesday with Jared Watt, and, uh, you know, it's, indications are that the Australian government is, is going to ban all international travel in or, in or out until next year. Really? Well, that's <laughs> astonishing. I mean, well, but the, the problem is, even if you go to a ju jurisdiction where where travel isn't banned, you're almost certainly going to go into quarantine there, and then you're going to co go into quarantine again when you come back here. It's going to make it a pretty damn long journey wherever you want to go. So effectively, whether they've actually banned travel or not, I can't see in the near future people seriously going anywhere can you yeah i think i think you're absolutely right yeah um david's come back and he says um government thinks the uh the money grows on trees as we were saying mm. Mm. well, well <laughs> it's that bohemia bush he's got in his back garden that's <laughs> there's a few of those that's what it is right that's the truth um okay yes all right so so it's um, go, go on sorry well, I was just going to go. I mean, another thing which is 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 worrying me this week has been the um, intervention of the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs um, Office in Beijing, which is um, the 
office principally responsible for the affairs of Hong Kong. It's a senior body in the Chinese hierarchy to the liaison office mm. uh, here in Hong Kong, which reports to it. And I mean, it's very alarming that they're now commenting on the affairs of the House Committee in LegCo. If you read Article 2 of the Basic Law, I just want to prove that I have been spending the whole week studying the Basic Law. If you read Article 2, it talks about a high degree of legislative power. It does not talk about somebody in Beijing telling legislators who should be elected as the chairperson of the House Committee, whether they think it's a good or a bad thing that a chairman hasn't been appointed, whether it's a good or a bad thing that filibustering is going on within the legislature, because these are matters which are within the high degree of autonomy of the Hong Kong SAR. I know it sounds pathetic to keep saying this, but, you know, it's in the, it's in the book. It's in the rules. Why this is being flouted, it's very worrying. And, of course, as soon as the Hong Kong Macau Affairs Office started criticising legislators for the way they were behaving, you got the usual suspects, you know who you are, Carrie Lam, comes trotting out and goes, oh, very good that they've been commenting, oh, very good. You're supposed to be defending our high degree of autonomy. Mm. This is Sino. You're not supposed to be trotting out every time somebody in Beijing sneezes and you, you, you then perform a double sneeze. That's not how it's supposed to work. But the fact of the matter is that there is a problem in LegCo. There is a, an enormous political crisis in Hong Kong. And if they think it's going to be resolved by charging Dennis Kwok, who's the interim um, chairman of this committee, charging him with misconduct in public office, a serious criminal offence, as a way out of this. Honestly, you have to ask yourself, are we all going mad or are we all going into an abyss which you just yeah. don't want to enter? Yeah, how how is that going to help if they take D Dennis Kwok out of the running or something for uh, for the elections? Well, sticking in jail for 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 mm. these matters. I mean, it's it's just not right. It really is not right. It's certainly, but, certainly not going to help their case, is it? Uh, the pro Beijing case. You would think not. You would think not. But I mean, remember that out there in Beijing, the level of intelligence that they get from Hong Kong, their level of actual understanding of what's happening here, what people are thinking in Hong Kong is really very limited because they confine their sources <coughs> to the sycophants who ask, what is the answer you want me to give you? To, to give you? And then they give that answer. There are not people who are feeding information into the Chinese uh, bureaucracy, which gives uh, anything vaguely approaching an accurate uh, picture mm. of what's going on in Hong Kong. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a, bit of a bit of a problem. I put that mildly. Absolutely. Um, okay, cool. I don't think we've got any more comments, but if anybody wants to drop us another a comment, we are, of course, happy to follow up on them. It's uh, morning, morning brew at rthk.hk. Uh, uh, Steve, thanks very much. As ever, we will see you back here uh, next Thursday at uh, 10 o'clock. Have a good week.